1: and you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast.
2: How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Galatson. Uh, The Mavs, after, you know, they had a really, really big win in New Orleans. That was the last time, you know, we came on here and talked. Uh, Or I don't know, I I think that was with... uh, Kevin Gray, I think it's been a while. It was a week before last when you were on here. But anyway, we talked about the big win over New Orleans in New Orleans, and then they went back and lost to the Pelicans at home. Uh, KP didn't play. Then on the second night of a back-to-back, Luca and KP were both out. And they obviously lost that one to the Grizzlies because if Luca doesn't play, the Mavs just can't win. That's just how it goes. If he doesn't play this season, it's a loss. Yeah. The stats are the stats. People can get mad at me for saying that, you know, I don't care. That That's how it is. If Luca doesn't play, this team cannot win without him. So uh, then they turned back around and uh, Luca and KP were back for the game against Brooklyn. They had a 17-point lead at a certain point in that game, which is incredible to think about. I did not think that would be uh, the case against a team led by Kevin Durant and James Harden, but uh, they had a 17-point lead, and they still ended up losing uh, by three (laughs) before it was all said and done. It was very discouraging. And then last night on the second night of a back-to-back, they had a rematch with the Grizzlies. KP and Luca both played on the second night of a back-to-back, and they ended up winning. And the biggest difference, and they won by eight in Memphis. The biggest difference, Matt, and I mean, I know this isn't like breaking news or like advanced analytics and all that stuff, but the biggest difference was hitting open shots, and more specifically with Reggie Bullock, who had been struggling all season, uh, shooting under 30% from three uh, this year, and he went four of six on his threes last night and the majority of his looks were wide open too so that was the biggest difference like overall it wasn't a great game from the Mavs Luca he did his thing uh KP had a decent night you know shooting wise he didn't score a ton of points but you know those two guys were consistent but overall you know the team wasn't that great and that was the difference is Reggie Block getting open shots taking advantage and you know that's probably his second good game of this season so far through, through uh, 24 games. So it, as much as we complain about this team, its issues, at least from my perspective, are very simple. Uh, it's, you know, hit your open shots. People want to blame coaching. People want to blame Jason Kidd. That seems to be the easy thing to do after some of these really disappointing losses, and I just can't get behind that. When your team is generating wide-open looks – I don't think that's a coaching issue. And every time we hear guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. and Reggie Bullock, like last night, he basically said, Jason Kidd, he doesn't care if, you know, Reggie's hitting it off the top corner of the backboard. He's still encouraging him, like, stay with it. You're a better shooter than this. It's going to come. Just keep going. You know, stuff like that. You know, there's nothing wrong with the coaching so far. Uh, You know, there's stuff that could have been done better, like in that Nets loss. You know, it could have been coached a little bit better down the stretch with the lineups and everything. But it shouldn't have even gotten to that point at the end of the game because they had a 17-point lead. If they hit two or three of those wide-open three-pointers earlier in that game that they were getting, it probably doesn't even get to that point where it's a clutch game down the stretch and, you know, none of that happens and we're having a different conversation right now. So, I'm just very annoyed, Matt. I I I'm not you know me I wasn't I wasn't like clamoring for the Mavs to sign Jason Kidd to re- replace Rick Carlisle but I look at what's happened so far and how how they have opportunities to be better than what they are and it's just players missing these wide open looks I just don't think it's coaching I think this coaching staff has done a decent job with this team so far it's more personnel than it is anything else so that's where I'm at. I'm annoyed. Go ahead and tell me if you disagree or not.
1: <laughs> no, I, I actually totally agree with you. I, um, you know, basketball is not a very complicated game. If you hit your shots, you usually win. If you don't, then you're probably not going to win. Crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. When when Reggie's hitting his shots, the Mavericks are a lot better of a team, and that's sort of what they envisioned when they brought him in from the first in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a surprise in that sense. Um, I think that in, in terms of blaming the coach. Um, I mean, everybody knows I wasn't a big fan of Jason, Jason Kidd at the beginning of the season. But it's, it's very when, – when fans are frustrated and people are frustrated or a team is frustrated or ownership is frustrated, it's, it's very easy for the coach to be the scapegoat because he's the person who's in charge of the whole operation. Um, but what it really boils down to is the coach can only do so much. He can only tell the players, here's where you're supposed to be. There's where I want you to line up. These are the shots I want you to take. These are the plays I want you to run. And it's up to the players to actually make the shots and execute those plays and and take those shots. And it's the general manager's responsibility to put players on the court that can do those things, Um, or in this case, Mark Cuban's responsibility. So blaming Jason Kidd is is not the answer here. It never was the answer. You can not like Jason Kidd all you want, no matter what he's done in his past, however you feel about him. He's not the reason the team's struggling. The team's struggling because they aren't shooting well. Um, and they give up a lot of points and they kind of suck inside, but for the most part, it's the shooting and they need to find ways to improve it, uh, internally. And they need to bring other people in to kind of figure out a way to fix that in the long Um, you know, the core that they have is probably not going to be sustainably good for the rest of the season because we've had 24 games now of, of action and we keep seeing the same results. So something's going to have to change. And the biggest change you need to make is that shooting And, you know, who knows how they can do that other than making a trade. But that's kind of where they are right now.
2: Well, and I I made the – I made that point the other day, or I think it was two or three days ago. But anyway, I made that point I made earlier in this pod about the Mavs. If Luca does not play, this team does not win. And some people pointed out like, oh, well, you know, they they still might not win even if Luca does play. And that's true, but – at least some of these other teams, I've mentioned it before, you know, the the Clippers, they're without Kawhi Leonard uh, the entire season. And, yeah, they have Paul George as, like, a true number two there. Uh, but, you know, the way that team is constructed, they don't have Kawhi Leonard, and they're right there neck and neck with the Mavs who have Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis and the rest of their team. So they're not hurting nearly – you know, if, if you put – if you put the Mavs in the Clippers situation and Luca was out for the entire season, this is a bonafide lottery team. I mean, that's just yeah. how it is. Now, Luca, yeah. when he, when he's playing the guys on the team, I mean, they're serviceable role players and they can, when they're hitting shots, I mean, everything's fine and dandy, but you have to have Luca as the guy to make all that work. So that's the way we need to assess this roster. And that's the way I hope Mark Cuban and, Nico Harrison, assess the roster as we go past December 15th when guys can be traded who are signed in offseason and later on towards the trade deadline. Because, you know, even – who said uh, – it was Mark Stein. He did a green room the other day. And he even said that internally that the Mavs know that they probably have to have some sort of a shakeup uh, if they want to, you know, get to that next step where they want to be. And, I mean, that's not breaking news, but, you know, we – you're sitting here oh, waiting <laughs> <laughs> you're you're sitting here just waiting on something to happen. And because nothing has happened, you start to think like, Oh, well, you know, they're being complacent. They're, they're just not going to do anything. But according to Stein, you know, they, they kind of know, like we got to do something. They're just yeah. not sure exactly what they're going to do yet. And I get that because they're, you know, all of your options haven't opened up yet. And maybe that happens as we go past December 15th.
1: Well, so That is breaking news in a sense that usually the Mavericks are very stubborn in what they have and they don't want to shake things up very much. That's been the case over the last few years, especially. And that's why they have been where they have been, you know, running as fish likes to say the treadmill of mediocrity or whatever, you know, whatever he calls it. Um, But look, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, I think that, um, you know, I think that one of the things that this team has to do, is is really look at themselves in the mirror and say, what have we been the last, you know, really 20 years? Um, and it's largely outside of the championship run been the same thing. It's been Dirk and a bunch of dudes like Dirk and Steve Nash was great. And that's probably the best example we have of them not being that way, but largely for the most part, it's been Dirk. It was Dirk and a bunch of dudes. And that's why they had one good run and never really did anything else. And now it's Luca and a bunch of dudes. And that's always how Cuban has constructed his rosters for the most part, is surrounding one star with a bunch of role players. And yeah, they've taken some shots. They went and tried to get KP to, to be a second star, but that hasn't really worked out the way they've wanted it to. You know, the, the Steve Nash thing probably would have worked a little bit better long term had they stuck with it. And I know Cuban regrets that. But, you know, uh, uh, Ben Rogers at 105.3 The Fan used to say, it's Dirk and the Texas Legends. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of where they are today. It's it's Luka and KP and the Texas Legends. Like, they're, like, yeah, they've got a couple of pretty good role players, but they don't have the kind of roster depth that these contending teams have and they never do because they don't succeed in the offseason they don't succeed in the trade market and they don't take advantage of opportunities like Goran Dragić sitting there doing nothing and i know people are going to be like oh my god they brought him up again for the 37th that's <laughs> just an example
2: well and, and i mean look i don't
1: brains most often
2: i don't think i i wouldn't go as far as to say it's it's the texas legends you know without Luca but but especially given you know they're Owen they're either Owen 4 or Owen 5 this year uh when Luca sits I think
1: it's Owen 4 but it's not the uh, legends but it's not a good roster right
2: I mean, you know they're they're good enough to they're good enough to catch a team off guard and make a team kind of sweat a little bit and make it close but they're just not good enough to get over the hump like you go into like those Phoenix games, for example, when Luca was both out. Going into those games, I kind of felt like the team in general matched up, you know, a little bit better with the Suns than they have in previous years. And sure enough, you know, they ended up both of those games ended up being close. But going into both of those, I kind of felt like, okay, this is going to be a tough fought game. They're going to play okay, but they're not going to have enough to get it over the <laughs> over the finish line at the end. And sure enough, that's how both of those games went. So. You gotta have, you know, Charles Barkley on TNT the other night. You know, he can say some outlandish stuff sometimes, but he said something that I agree with. And you know, people on the outside looking in, they're like, "Oh, well, you know, KP, he's averaging twenty points per game. You know, he's a he's a pretty good number two for Luka and consistent and everything." But it's just one of those things where he might score, he might have an outburst and score thirty points one game against a okay team to not good team. And then you know he turned right back around and scored nine to ten points in another game. So it's not it's not like your typical consistent 20-point score. It's like very up and down with him. And he has like his his five, six game burst, and then he'll go a couple other games where he's like almost non-existent offensively. So that's the biggest thing. They 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 need to have more consistency and less streakiness, especially when it comes to the offense. Defense. I mean, their their numbers aren't great like overall compared to the rest of the league just because of how some of these games – but just the eye test, just watching the guys on defense, I think they're fine on that end. You know, even even in that Brooklyn game, you know, the best team in the East, they held the Nets to 102 points. They should have won that game. If you hit just two or three more open shots, you don't have to worry about it. You win that game. Your defense played great, you know, super – super offensively talented team in Brooklyn got held to 102 points. That's hard to do. And they've done that on a handful of occasions this year where they've held teams to a low amount of points, but they just can't get over the hump themselves on offense. So that's where they need to focus, whether it's a big man, whether it's uh, more serviceable wings, whether it's Goran Dragic for backcourt help, whatever it is, they need to add somebody who is consistently decent on offense. They don't even have to be great, just like decent. Somebody that's going to get you consistent points, get you a bucket when you need a bucket. And it's not so dang streaky like Tim Hardaway Jr., like how Reggie Bullock has been uh, early this season.
1: I think that's why both of us kind of wanted DeMar DeRozan so badly. Yeah. Because, because <laughs> he's, he's, he was one of those guys and people, you know, kind of crapped all over that idea. But look, when you look at the things that really matter in basketball, it's not how many points you average per game. It's not how many assists you average per game. It's how well you shoot and how efficient you are. It's the, it's the more advanced stats and the Mavericks are not very good in those areas for the most part. And KP in particular, he's very inconsistent. And if you're going to win consistently in the NBA, you need a consistent second guy. KP isn't that consistent second guy. Mascat getting fed. Yeah, Mascat's getting fed right now. <laughs> and it's it's one of those things where, you know, it's it's not something that after three years of evidence, it's not something that seems fixable. Um, I mean, yeah, I do think that he's been better as a whole this year than he has been over the last two, you know, through the first 24 games. Like there's actually been times where we've been talking and we've been like, oh, he actually looks like a – a max player tonight. And that didn't yeah. happen very often last year or the year before. So look, it, it's, it's fixable, but you have to have a major shakeup for it to be fixable. And I don't think that he's part of those plans. I don't think a lot of the guys in this roster are part of those plans. So when they say shakeup, you hope that it's something major and not something minor because bringing, I, I want Goron more than anybody in the world. I think everybody knows that at this point, but just bringing in him is not going to fix everything
2: people and people think that I'm like or some I've seen some people think that I'm just like kind of disregarding what KP has done when I say this team is not capable of winning without Luca and I mean it's nothing against KP personally I think he's played great this year on both ends he's been very engaged on defense uh they've been very uh they've been very liberal about getting him the ball in the post and you know building confidence there to where it's not just him chucking up three-pointers every night, uh, which up until last night, he was like, in the first half, he was like two of 21 on his three-pointers for the last five games he played, and then he got a couple to go in the second half against Memphis. But KP's a good player. I mean, he when he's healthy and he's moving around and he's active defensively like he's been this year, he's a good player. He's just not a good enough player to carry the Mavs to wins like Paul George is for the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard out. That's just how it is. He's just not on that level. And that's fine. KP's a great, you know, as a number three, he would be incredible. You know, as a number two, it's just kind of like, you know, yeah, when Luca's there and he's healthy. I think I saw on StatMuse um, when Luca and KP both play this season, which has only been 14 games, the Mavs are nine and five. So, I mean, if you're looking for a bright spot, no, even though the Mavs have been terrible for the last couple of weeks, save for a few games, that's one of the bright spots you look at when Luca and KP are both playing. The Mavs are four games over 500 this season. That's the thing, though. You you never know when he's going to have to, when KP's going to have to sit out, or you know, if Luca, if something freaky happens and he has an ankle sprain or a knee sprain or something, and he has to sit out, you're basically screwed. Uh, so that that's the issue. I mean. Yeah, nothing against KP. He's a good player when healthy. The Mavs just need something a little bit more to get them to the next level. They're, they are a playoff contender right now. If 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 they're content with being a playoff contender, then something is very wrong. Because as good as Luka is, and he could get better, you know, it came out the other day, he's come into training camp weighing 260 uh, the last two years according to Tim McMahon. So yeah. he has some stuff he has to work out himself, and he will eventually work him, work his way into shape like he does every season. But he has some stuff he has to work on to where he's better early on in the season. But to completely take advantage of how good Luca is right now at age 22, only in year four, they're going to have to do something different because this current roster, as it's constructed, that's all they are is a playoff contender. And that's not saying that they can't play well enough for a handful of games and get out of the first round. I think this roster is capable of doing that if they stay com- completely healthy and get to the get to the playoffs healthy with Luka. But they're just not a, a title contender. And when you have a guy like Luka who's capable of competing for the MVP every single year, he, he can be an all-NBA first-team guy every single year. Uh, he does everything for your team. I mean it just kind of to not go all in right now just feels like they're kind of twiddling their thumbs and spinning their wheels. And like I said earlier maybe they just haven't had the opportunity yet to make a big change because like Mark Stein mentioned they kind of know that they they got to they're going to have to have some kind of change. I just like you mentioned earlier though I hope it's I hope they're thinking a legitimate shakeup and not just fringe moves because we've basically just been rotating out DeLon Wright's spot for the last two seasons. And, <laughs> and and that's been the big changes, so to speak. So you went from DeLon Wright to Josh Richardson, as well as getting rid of Seth Curry. Uh, you got a bunch of draft picks that, you know, Josh Green's still here, but he doesn't play much. Tyrell Terry's gone. Tyler Bay's gone. All of that just exploded in your face. You know, y- you got uh, – Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown this year, who have underachieved, but, you know, there's signs of life from Reggie Bullock. I think good shooters will eventually figure out how to get it going, and hopefully that happens with him. But to get to that next level, they're going to have to do a bigger shakeup than just the fringe guys. You can't keep putting all of this pressure on Luka to make everything work for you. You know, add a guy or two that can do something by himself without having Luka set him up. And then maybe that gets you to the next level. But yeah. another another stat I'm going to throw out here just for optimism because I I, I mentioned that about yeah, Luca. Yeah. I mentioned about Luka and KP when they're when they're both playing. The Mavs are nine and five. But uh, according to Mavs PR last night, when Reggie Bullock scores at least twelve points, the Mavs are four and zero oh this year. So if they want to go undefeated the rest of the way, be very deliberate about getting Reggie Bullock his points. <laughs>
1: Um, now, you know, I kind of liken it to, I know I do this all the time now because I'm basically a full-time college football guy, but um, it's when you're rebuilding a program or a franchise, you have to rip it out from the studs and build it back up. You can't just um, replace a few inconsequential pieces here and there. You can't just say, oh, we'll, we'll just go get this fourth tier guy and it'll make everything better. It's like what, it's like what the Texas Longhorns are trying to do right now. Um, they're bringing in a new quarterback. They're going to bring in a whole bunch of transfers. A whole bunch of people are leaving through the transfer portal because they don't want them there anymore. And you're bringing in all of this new life, all of these new pieces at really important positions because you need to start a new foundation and the Mavericks need to start a new foundation. Luca can be that core, that foundation, but everything else on the roster, and I mean everything else on the roster is expendable. So use it to get whatever you need to get. But you're never going to compete with the roster you have right now. You're never going to compete if you make a trade and you know, like Well, no, they'll, they'll compete.
2: The they'll compete season, just not for a title.
1: Right. But la- last season their big move during the season was JJ Redick.
2: Yeah. Gave up a second round pick and then he retires.
1: that that, that should be a wake-up call for you like if thirty seven thousand year old jj reddick is your big move and he plays a couple of games you need to aim higher like no no know what you have is finite in luca he's not going to be here forever you know make a move do something to take advantage of
2: and i i think you know just having that that fresh air having that new beginning you know making a trade and having some different guys around Luca, that could really set off a spark in him you know something new to look forward to uh you know a jolt of energy throughout the rest of the roster you know i i, I feel like it would just be great for for more morale overall uh i know i know everybody likes each other on the current roster but you know, I, I just feel like something like that would really give this team some extra juice that they, they currently are lacking. Because you it's just... Everybody
1: on the Clippers likes each other?
2: I mean, probably not when you have Marcus Morris on the team.
1: Right, that's my point. <laughs> it it, it just really helps to a certain extent. You also have to have talent. Well, and as Mavcat pops his head into the picture.
2: I love Rory. Rory <laughs> is... <laughs> yeah. If he wants to come more into the picture i'm perfectly fine with that uh but yeah i mean i I think it would give them a jolt of energy i think is something that you know we've talked about this before but even though this current roster overall is kind of stale to us because it really has not changed at all for the for really a little bit more than three years now uh you know nico harrison he's made the remark either preseason or during the first couple weeks of the season, that, you know, you kind of know what you are 20 to 25 games into the season. And even though we're used to this current roster, and we've been watching it for, you know, three years or a little bit over, it's Nico Harrison's first year. So, man, that's the thing. I'm holding out hope that, you know, we haven't gotten to a point with Nico Harrison like we were with Donnie Nelson where when he said stuff, we just kind of like, you listen to it, but you kind of took it with a grain of salt because you know how Donnie can be. Well, we haven't really gotten to that point with Nico Harrison yet, so we'll see how much we can put into what he says, you know, going, going past December 15th in this first trade deadline uh, with him as GM. We'll see how much weight his words hold. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because it's his first year. It's his first time being around this team in season seeing how everybody plays together seeing what needs to be changed in his opinion uh and we'll see if you know the correct changes are made or see if they take some swings that uh you know maybe we're not even thinking about i know one thing Matt, and we're about to get out of here but uh one thing i saw today and i did a bonus pod the other day and i talked about it there by the way guys if y'all want bonus bonus content uh, and you know access to the to our community discord and wash parties and all that be sure to sign up for math step back premium it's uh patreon.com slash math step back if you sign up before the end of the year you get a free math step back t-shirt uh it's only four dollars a month you can cancel anytime if you don't think it's worth it uh just cancel and no big deal but there's going to be a lot of bonus content on there that i'm doing weekly so uh Be sure to do that. But anyway, on that bonus pod that I posted yesterday, Matt, on Patreon, one of the trades, I talked about four trades, and one of them was with Indiana and Miles Turner. And the Mavs are playing the Pacers' first game against Rick Carlisle this Friday night. And it came out today on The Athletic where – hold on just a second. Let me – I'm going to pull this up just so I'm saying it word for Word. All right, so Miles Turner told the Athletic, "It's clear that I'm not valued as anything more than a glorified role player here, and I want something more." He is 100% getting traded this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, you would think so. No. I, I don't
2: that is not a quote from a guy who uh who is going to be staying in Indiana very long in my opinion. And that's a guy who I have wanted the Mavs to get for the longest time. I don't know if they even have a legitimate chance of getting in on something like like that. All I'm saying is that if if the Mavs are going to end up trading for a a difference-making big man like that, and they have any chance of having a guy like Dwight Powell as part of a trade package, I'm not saying it's the center of the trade package, just part of it, you would think it would be the team that is currently being coached by Rick Carlisle. Because (laughs) if anybody – if any coach in the league is going to like go to their front office and be like, yes, give me that guy. I want him in trade. Talking about Dwight Powell, it would be Rick Carlisle.
1: I want that leadership.
2: <laughs> Rick Carlisle needs that leadership. The Pacers have not been great uh, so far this year. They need some more leadership and a guy that's more willing to accept that limited role that Miles Turner is not happy with right now. So <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I I made the joke earlier that uh, maybe Miles Turner just gets on the team playing with the Mavs on Friday night and just
1: comes back to Dallas. Who maybe Dwight Powell just stays in Indiana. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, <laughs> all I know is if you're if the Mavs are going to be deliberate about playing a center with KP in the starting lineup. You know that's that's where they need to be looking at right there. A guy that's versatile, an actual can hit, center, an actual center can block a bunch of shots, can hit shots from the perimeter if needed. Uh, you know that that's where they need to be going going at right there. You know everybody says, oh, well the Mavs they have a ton of centers. You know people on the outside looking in, but look at their centers.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the thing last year and i know we're about to get out of here but that was the thing last year when people kept saying like we don't need montrez harrell we have so many centers in the back of my mind I, I always kept thinking yeah but the centers suck
2: quantity doesn't trump quality right not not in this particular
1: exactly. situation so just, just go get a good one instead of just platooning a bunch of crappy guys out there
2: anyway Well, we we'll have a lot more to talk about in the coming weeks because I feel like, and I feel like it's going to be more of a more of a positive tone going forward. Because uh, I say this a lot, but I really do think they've kind of started to turn the corner with that Memphis game because it was the first time where it's like, okay, you kind of got the sense that they didn't play a very good game overall as a team. But you had Reggie Bullock hitting a couple of open shots that he hasn't done for the majority of the season, and that makes such a big difference. So that the Mavs can play not great and still end up winning against Memphis who had won five straight. They were 10 or 14 and 10 going into that game. Uh, and you One can win that
1: three points.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can win games like that if you just get a little bit of help. Just a little bit. It doesn't even have to be a lot. Just hit a couple of wide-open shots. Don't be completely terrible. That's it. It's not even asking people to be great. Just don't be terrible. <laughs> and they can win some more games. So I'm encouraged by what I've seen. I, I've always said that even, even if it is the new ball or you know, whatever the case may be not with Reggie ball. Bullock, he he's too good of a shooter for his career to continue shooting the way he has so far this season. It's got to turn around and I'm not saying he's going to turn around to the point where he's shooting 40% from three again, but he, he's he got to at least shoot 35% from three. I mean, it's, it, being under 30 is ridiculous given his career track record.
1: So the I'm encouraged. Thing, the last thing I'm going to say before we get out of here is that it is not the ball. These are professional <laughs> basketball players who have played on outdoor courts, indoor courts with outdoor balls, indoor balls. They were, they're, they're all still good. They all still know how to shoot. It's not the ball.
2: I will say this, though. Our guy, Grant Afseth, put in our uh, Dallasbasketball.com group chat. uh, I think it was last night. He was telling us about it. But one of the complaints from players has been like when they're practicing and everything, they have the the balls that have been broken in already. And then when they get to the games, for whatever reason, it's like they have brand new balls. Like they're not using the broken in ones for, I don't know why they're doing that. Even with the
1: old balls. Have they, though? Yes. It's always new balls. NFL does the same thing. Baseball does the same thing. Every pitch in a baseball game is a new baseball.
2: I don't know if that's the case for NBA, though. I'm pretty sure they've used – because, I mean, you have – I don't think it's brand new balls every time. But, anyway, we're going to stop talking about balls on the Math Step Back Podcast, and (laughs) we're going to take off here and let you guys enjoy the rest of your week and going into the weekend. But, anyway, guys, we appreciate it. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. Go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're still doing that thing where, you know, every every week or so we're giving out a free math step back t-shirt if you leave a review and put your Twitter ad or Instagram ad some way for us to get in touch with you. Uh, and again, if you want extra content, whether it's bonus pods, whether it's, you know, our private community discord, whether it's our live watch parties we've been doing on the the playback app here recently, which are a ton of fun. I think everybody will enjoy it. Uh, all of that you can get that plus a t-shirt by going to patreon.com slash step back and signing up before the end of the year so guys we appreciate it y'all have a great rest of your day we'll see you next time